You're now listening to The Nest on Tap, conversations to encourage parents to make informed choices about healthcare and to embrace parenting as a tool to change the world, one diaper at a time. Here's your host, Katie Demota. I'm joined today by Ashley Newton. Ashley is a child development specialist available for parent coaching. You can find more on her website, which we will link at Elevating, Elevate Families or Elevating Families, Ashley? Elevating Family. Elevating Families. We're happy to have you as always. Ashley joined me last year. We talked all about um, celebrating and honoring uh, the winter solstice. So today I thought we would talk a little bit beyond that. We'll talk a little bit more about honoring seasons and how about thriving, not just surviving through the holidays, especially winter holidays. So welcome, Ashley. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. thanks for having me. I really love this time of year so much. It's really my favorite time of year. And um, learning to honor and connect with this season has really brought me so much. So I'm very happy to, to be here and talk and see what emerges. Well, welcome, because I may have shared with you last year, this is my least favorite season, (laughs) that season where I start to get sad and really cold and wishing for summer. So um, I'm I'm glad you can help us maybe reframe a little bit and think about celebrating and honoring the darkness and, of course, welcoming in the light. I thought maybe we could just talk a little bit about honoring seasons and why you think, in your experience... um, you know, the importance of, but also the magic of celebrating and honoring seasons as a family. Yeah, sure. Um, Well, you know, as I was working with kids in the outdoor nature program, I was always looking for ways, like tangible ways that kids could really get, you know, get their hands on, get their minds on, that we could do actively together. to get them connected to nature and noticing nature and feeling like they are a part of nature. And I found that celebrating the seasonal cycles, especially um, one strong way to do that is by celebrating these turning points in the cycle, like solstice is a big one, the two solstices, and then the equinox are kind of the four big ones. And then there's ones in between each of those. So there's a total of eight. um, If you're looking at the earth-based calendar of big season transitions that um, celebrating those seasonal changes uh, was a very easy, very practical way for my mind to kind of organize myself as far as what kind of themes are here this time of year and what kind of activities align with those themes and how can we deepen? So I just started doing that process and loved it. I found it really fruitful and I found that the kids really loved it too. And were really excited to um, celebrate, but also it was a really good way to, for them to start to pay more attention to how the landscape changes over time and how feelings might change over time. And um, it just like serves as a great entryway for connection. Mm -hmm. I love that, Ashley. Yeah, I think kids notice also 
may pick up on changes, right? And I think if you're really being having this intention to support them to not just notice, but to understand and then participate, what a great experience. Yeah, exactly. So we, we are going to share the link for our conversation last year. We went really deep into winter solstice, but let's just do a quick um, maybe synopsis of why, what, what, what's going on in the winter solstice, and then how some maybe simple ideas for honoring winter solstice, some things we can do with little kids, um, and maybe some thoughts on food. Because I think each time we talk, Ashley, we bring in a little bit of celebration with food. Yeah, totally. Um, sure. So starting, so the models that I use are earth-based seasonal calendars, which is primarily the Chinese medicine calendar, but also um, more traditional pagan calendars that mark the year as well. So on those calendars, you have beginning the first week of December, of November, So we're already in this six week period right now of moving towards the depth Mm -hmm. of winter, which is the winter solstice. So it's kind of funny on the Western calendar, winter doesn't start until the solstice on these more earth-based models. We're already looking at the deepening of it's already started and it's deepening. And so what that means is that we're in the period where, as I'm sure we are all feeling very aware of, every day it gets darker. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we are moving into the, we're in the part of the year really already that the dark, the darkness is with us um, longer than the light. Um, And that will increase, the darkness will increase until we get to winter solstice, at which point it turns and the light begins to increase. So we're currently in the increase of darkness and, um, you know, darkness gets a bad rap in a lot of ways culturally, but darkness traditionally is connected to yin. It's connected to the feminine. It's connected to mystery and the unknown and um, all of the things like babies and plants and so many things actually grow in the depth of darkness before they're even touched by light. Um, So it's that deep rooted, mysterious um, unknown that is building in quality this time of year. And if we can learn to embrace that, embrace the unknown, embrace the like lack of direction, um, the openness, then it can bring us a lot of uh, deep well-being. That must be it for me, Ashley. It's the unknown. (laughs) (laughs) You're seeking control. This might be a hard time of year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Or if you're so action-oriented, you're like, no, I have to go. I have to go. I have to go. I've got things to do. Um, Then it can be like, oh, this is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to, um, to be still when we've got like an itch for action. Also, if we tend to be really action oriented and busy, then when, you know, when the outside world is giving you the like, no, dark, 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 rest, 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 we could be like, ah, and it can bring up anxiety and discomfort and, um, like a feeling like 
there's nowhere to put that, um, that yang, that movement action energy. That's definitely what I noticed. So I love talking with you about this season so we can reframe a little bit uh, how to thrive and survive through each season and noticing the energy around us. So thank you so much for always bringing our attention to where we're at in this calendar. And I also love to know <laughs> that it helps me realize, okay, that at the solstice isn't the start of the darkness. So you remind me of right. that. Every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, right. it's already getting lighter. So those of you who really like the light can be like, hey, this is great. The light's coming back. Right. Love that reminder. Yeah. Okay. So what are some simple ways? So that's, I think, really helpful for so many adults. Like, however you experience this, whether you really like the hibernation and the dark and quiet, or if that's a little unnerving. Um, what are some simple things we can do to welcome our children into the darkness and celebrate this sweet time of year? Yeah. Um, you know, one of my teachers, her name's Bronwyn Isla. She, she teaches um, Chinese medicine. And one of the things that she says is that one of the most um, yin so in Chinese medicine, we will say like yin depleting means that it pulls from yin. Okay. Uh, one of the most yin depleting activities is electronics. Mm -hmm. So, you know, blue screens and lots of change and things like that is like, that's sort of the opposite of this inward turn. So without getting hard edged about it, because this is also not the time of year to be like, I'm going to be do this and be all rigid with yourself. Um, that's not what we're going for, but to, to be open to, okay, how can we use less electronics, especially at night mm -hmm. when it's actually dark outside, mm -hmm. um, and do activities that are more oriented towards, um, either our inner world, our imagination, and just our connection to our body and our, our closeness and play and snuggling and things like that. So um, creating evening, evening rituals or times together where you're just connecting, you're playing, you're reading, um, you're really, you know, making food together, things that are about nourishment mm -hmm. um, can be kind of simple ways to like turn the dial down a bit. Mm -hmm. What do you think about fire like having fires candles is that yeah totally good invitations to celebrate darkness yeah yeah especially if you can and I bet you know kids can really think that that's really fun if you're like turning off the lights and you have a bunch of candles going um and then it's just darker in the room than it would be if you had on the regular lights uh -huh. Um, other ideas for on winter solstice, things that we can do to um, honor that day with little ones. Ideas. Yeah. We'll, we will link the whole full conversation, but just a couple snippets from Ashley for those listening today. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll just share a few ideas, but there really is like a fuller outlined in that other conversation. Mm -hmm. um, my favorite, favorite 
ritual on winter solstice is a spiral walk. So creating a spiral on the land, either with scarves, or you can actually use, um, you know, bows of trees like cedar. We have cedar and pine and um, those, those ones work really well. And I know a lot of us are local, so I know that those are here. Um, especially it can be easy this time of year. It's like also really practical even to cut saplings, you know, cause a lot of forests are actually overgrown. Mm -hmm. So it's a really good idea to cut small trees before they get really big and it becomes hard. Mm -hmm. So if you have land that you're connected to, you can walk around and just cut down little baby trees, um, that won't have space to grow and, um, place them on the ground in a spiral and then do like a, a spiral walk where one by one or all together as a family, you walk in towards the center of the spiral and maybe pick up a candle or something special. And then you walk out and it just, it symbolizes the walking into the mystery the darkness of the unknown and then carrying forward this, this light um, to illuminate the pathway forward. I remember our first spiral walk, Joaquin was so young for, it's really a sweet, magical event. And it sounds kind of simple, but I remember getting like all teary, thinking, oh my gosh, she's honoring the light and the spiral. There was such a significance in that experience. It really is quite sweet. It really is. And it's a really beautiful thing to do with friends, like as a community and, you know, each taking your time to go in and um, you can sing a song to, um, <laughs> while people are doing the walk to help bring everybody's minds together and, um, create a space. Yeah. And so, so if anyone wants to learn more about Ashley has a whole hour's worth of really sweet solstice ideas. So we'll share the link in the notes for this talk. If you want to, um, learn more, um, Ashley, I'm curious one of the things I thought you might be able to help us with today is um, the sense of overwhelm or maybe anxiety that comes with holidays. And I think if you are a new parent and this is your first or maybe even second holiday season and you're feeling already the expectation that might be there, and maybe it's from yourself, or maybe it's your family's expectation of your, you know, energy or your attendance or participation. Any tips you have for where parents can maybe, it's a kind of a three-part question. What I'm thinking of is tips to kind of dampen down that anxiety, but also ways to look for the magic and maybe find your own joy and learning, well, what traditions do I want to honor? in my small family, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think one thing that comes to mind as far as tips is to say no to a lot of scheduling opportunities. Um, I, I think that like what happens is there's so many, there's often so many things and gatherings that we want to go to. And um, especially this time of year, um, it's really important to have more, as much time as possible to rest. And usually with the holidays, we have family events, we have things, it's like, we're going to be going and maybe even traveling and breaking up our routine, which is like, can be stressful for kids and parents. Cause you're like in your rhythm and then you're 
somewhere else and there's different food and there's potentially relatives who do things really different than you do. And, you know, all of those complexities that are not comfortable. So I think one thing is just, but, you know, choosing the things that's like, no, I, I really want to do this together with my birth family or with these people, even though there's going to be all kinds of feelings involved. Um, and then for the other things that maybe aren't as necessary, just don't do them <laughs> so that you can actually like properly recover and ground yourself in this deep yin time of year. Um, so you have more resource to show up to the things that are truly priority. Um, and then, you know, I think it really is interesting, this question of how we build a family culture that's in deep alignment for us and still maintain connections with some of our family or other um, friends that we feel connected to, but aren't aligned. So I feel for that. One is really um, having so much compassion and space for yourself to really feel the range of feelings that happens in relationship to our families, the things that they're doing that we don't, we wouldn't want it to be done a different way. We didn't like how it was done like that when we're kids and now our kids are getting exposed and we can't control it. You know, like it's, um, it's so complex and there's so much material, inner material that can come up for us, especially around our, you know, birth families. Um, so I think just having compassion that, that that's happening and those feelings are there and all of it is welcome. And, and as much as we can, all of it is welcome. And, um, also looking to those moments as um, information opportunities. It's like, oh, this doesn't feel good because I actually want it to be like this. Like, what can I actually do with that? And what shifts can I make? And maybe next year I don't go to the family gathering and maybe, or maybe, you know, whatever it is, whatever the pivots are um, to be with what's actually happening for you. I love this concept of having a little more compassion for ourselves versus pushing ourselves into those moments that don't feel good. Yeah. That's what we talk a lot about in parenting is when it doesn't feel right, it's an invitation to change or shift or notice, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. It's like the information has to come in. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I think holidays or, or intense moments around family can be equally joyous as they are stressful and certainly bringing up a lot, especially if you're a new parent, um, maybe you didn't notice how some of those things, those rituals or traditions or people or comments made you feel before, maybe they weren't there before. And now you're noticing, right? Because as parents, right. we have a whole new perspective on family. Yeah. Right. Love the invitation for you get to do your own thing. You get to break cycles if you want to. You can bring in traditions that you like and say goodbye to traditions you don't. Mm -hmm. so thinking about what do you think about 
simple ways, because I'm all about simple, Ashley. <laughs> simple, keep it doable, keep it manageable. Simple ways for us to support children to find the magic. Where's the magic of the holiday mm. season? And how can we help them and ourselves really maybe even reignite your magic in the holiday season? Thoughts on that? Yeah. Um I think that children feel the most magic when adults actually feel their magic and the magic of life. So I know that I, I don't want to do like a deep dive on, on Santa right now, <laughs> but um, you know, it's a big topic and magic seems to be a part of uh, like multiple, you know, multi traditions all around the world this time of year. Like there's a, there's themes of magic and gifting and, um, you know, unknown and characters disappearing and reappearing. And, um, so it feels like it's a perfect time to be open to all of these beautiful stories, like even stories like Santa or fairies or elves or, um, I think the heart of gifting is also a really beautiful thing that can continue. Um, and there's so many ways that we can do that. You know, like if we don't like the traditional stories of Santa, we can make up our, we can make up our own stories. Um, and even being in, even when things are make-believe, they're still magical for children. You know, like you can play make-believe with a two or a three-year-old kid and pretend that this and this is happening and it, and it feels magical. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm a firm, like, I was going to say I'm a firm believer, which is funny, but I'm, I'm a firm believer that we don't have to lie to children to bring a sense of magic, um, into their lives. Um, yeah, I don't know if that answers enough or if that's too theoretical. <laughs> no, more I, theoretical than practical. <laughs> I love it all. So I appreciate the theoretical as well. Yeah. Um, I think magic is, there's so many places to find it. And I think if we wanted to think about simple magic, even just snow, I mean, that's magic, right? When yeah. you're anywhere where there is snow for a little kid, that's the magic of this season. What is that? Right? Yeah. Where'd that come yeah. from? That wasn't here yesterday, maybe. Mm -hmm. or the joy, like you're saying, of giving. Um, I've heard so many iterations of how to shift Santa into a spirit of giving. And when children are resisting, maybe believing the stories or the magic is putting them in that place of being the giver and how magical that can be and feel. So there's just a lot of different approaches, I think, to Santa. I appreciate yes. that you brought it in. Yeah. And I, I love that, um, what you just said about the role of being the giver. Um, like one practical thing that I like to do that I feel like brings a sense of magic is making offerings. So making little gifts for the earth or for specific spirits, like let's say the fairies, like, oh, well, we want to, we want to bring in the fairies because maybe it's too dark for them, or maybe they need more light or something like that. So let's make them a little house and let's put a candle in there and let's, how could we make it beautiful? Um, or if there's, you know, 
animals that the children feel really connected to like bears or deer or foxes. I'm just thinking ones that live, live around here. Then you could say, Oh, let's make a little gift for the bears. Let's put, what do bears? Let's put some blueberries out there and let's, what else would they like? They like warm things. And so you can make gifts like to the, to the spirit of specific animals or even, you know, things like fairies or gnomes or whatever you want to spirit of really anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and just coming together to make these little gifts and land offerings is um, so fun for kids. They love it. And it feels, yeah, it, it has this magical feel. And then being in the mystery and maybe, you know, cause who knows? Um, and I guess this is, it maybe helps me because I do have a sort of belief in the spirit unknown mystery of the world. And maybe some people are um, more atheist or less like there's not spirits to things. So in that way, it's easier for me because a part of me really feels like, well, I don't know if we make this offering to the bear spirit, will the bears feel it? Maybe like, maybe they'll know we're, we're here and, and maybe I'm more likely to see one. Um, if I make this offering just, so I'm actively in that, like, wow, what could happen? Um, and children can feel that. And, um, that opens this sense of mystery and magic in them. I love that. For those of you who maybe aren't as into the animals, you can also do that with a person. What happens if we give a gift? Who needs a gift? Who can we make this for? I think and watching the element of surprise. Maybe you don't. Maybe you just leave it, you know, for them. Don't give it to them directly, and then watch and see the wonder on their face or the appreciation. I just think there's so many ways to dive into the give, the feel of the giving, and the joy. That I think is a missed piece for a lot of folks. It's about Mm. getting right? Receiving? Mm-hmm. What am I going to get this year? Instead of what am I going to give this year? Who am I going to give to this year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Speaking yeah. of creating, what are your favorite crafts that you like to uh, do with children this time of year? Um, well, I the, one of the reasons why I like these seasonal celebrations is that they can help think about what crafts make sense. So, mm-hmm. so for solstice, since I like to do a lantern walk, I usually do making a lantern or making something to hold candles to hold the light. Um, if you look up online Waldorf lantern, like to do, you, you should be able to find some instructions for different ideas for how to make Waldorf style lanterns. There's some that are just made out of paper with watercolor that are really simple. I've also done more complex ones with clay um, and actually had them fired. That's a little more in depth (laughs) of a process. Um, But you could also do candles, you know, you can make candles. Mm -hmm. Um, You can also just buy a candle that's already made like in a glass jar and then decorate the outside of the candle, like with different colored paper or um, paints. That feels a little bit easier, but doing, you know, any kind of candle or light project that kind of gets us to the solstice point when we're embracing the light. Mm -hmm. 
And then because we love to hear from you about foods, what are your favorite foods to be celebrating this season with? Yeah. Um, I do love doing little, um, like anything that you can make dark with uh, little like spots of light. So the little spots of light could be sprinkles, like they could be like chocolate muffins or something. And then you can add just like a couple little sprinkles of light and be like, oh, look, it's like it's all the way dark outside. And then we just have a little bit of light in the center. Um, And I mean, on a more practical level, not a celebration level, but things that are um, really heavy and grounding are really good to embrace and nourish in this time of year, like broths and soups and things that are warm. So I really try to cut back on, on raw foods and veggies, um, especially for kids too, cause they, they already, they have so much of the, um, you know, more energy and more movement than we do in general. Um, so their bodies need even more encouragement to like come down, um, than ours. <laughs> ours are usually like, okay, I'm tired. Um, so yeah. cooking things with them like soup and, um, you know, maybe bread with the soup. Um, and, and this is a little side tangent, but I thought of it. So I'll just say it really quick. And another really great thing this time of year is covering the body in oil. So doing oil massages, like after bath for kids, Mm -hmm. this is a really, really good time of year for that. I usually start in, in the fall, start in equinox and do that all the way through February, really. Yeah. I was just reading someone else mentioning that uh, recently. It's a great idea. Yeah. It's really helpful. And they say in Chinese medicine that it actually helps build a protective barrier around the body so that illnesses and colds and things like that are less likely to get in. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, That's the perspective I was reading. Very, very fascinating. Yeah. You mentioned bath when you were talking about grounding and supporting the energy or just the calming. Um, I was thinking bath, like bath might be a really great way of doing that. Maybe adding even doing like a dark bath with candles, like a low lit bath to kind yeah. of really calm might be a fun wintry idea. And then going on to your oil massage. There's so much we can do to really support them to calm. It's hard when you're little. Yeah, it is. And of course our own, our own state hmm. is going to impact them so much. And it's hard for us to calm ourselves down. <laughs> understandably with what's happening in the world. Right. And yeah. So take your own bath, <laughs> right? <laughs> cover your own body in oil. That's right. Then cover their body in oil. Right. And so then when you're all cozy, do you have some favorite book story ideas that you like? Um, you know, I, I wish I had some children's books that came to mind, but unfortunately I don't have any that are coming to mind. I do really love um, star Hawk's book, which I mentioned before in the podcast, it's called circle round. Oh yeah. Right. And that book has in it, um, for every turn of season, all eight, um, it has stories and then it has craft activities for each one. 
So a lot of the ideas that I work with come from that book. And that book has a whole, I think, five or six stories that are for solstice in this time of year. Um, some of those I do find that I, um, I edit. <laughs> I think they, they were written, I don't know, that book was published maybe 15, 20 years ago. It, it's not quite up to par to me on like gender yeah. roles or it, it still takes some editing, but for, for me, maybe not for everyone, but, um, but there's some really good stories in there that are inspiring. So like good to base things off of and then make it work for you. Good inspiration. Okay. I will make sure we link circle round in our show notes this time as well. Yeah. And dip into that for some inspiration. And also there's another great book and I'm, I'm also missing, I can't remember the name. I can see the cover in my mind. This is a collection of solstice stories, specifically winter solstice from around the world. So I'll link that. We've been reading those stories since Joaquin was young. It's just a fascinating look into all the different cultural ideas of where the sun has gone and is the sun returning and a lot of the stories are animals trying to figure out how to get the sun to come back and it's just really clever and sweet um, mm. so we'll make sure we link that as well oh that's great I'll check that out too any other tips you'd like to share for families around the holiday season and then we'll open it up to questions um no nothing is coming to mind now yeah I'm Ashley, thank you so much for sharing. It's always a joy to sit with you. Yeah, um, you're welcome. Curious if anyone in the room with us today has a specific question for Ashley around holiday magic, holiday seasons, and anything maybe you're feeling, whether you're feeling nervous or anxious or excited about. If not, no worries. But I want to make sure we give you the chance. Hi, Michelle. Hi. This has been great. Thank you so much, Ashley. Um, I have a question about the kind of grounding down and I have a 15 year old stepdaughter and I feel like we're in different places where I'm really needing to like go down and hibernate. And she is like growth and explore and, you know, out there. So how, like, as as like a parent in her life, how can I honor that where she wants to be while also honoring where I am? Hmm. I love that question. Um, I'm wondering, in part, are you talking about like, are you thinking about shared activities or like flow of your day together? Or are you also thinking about just bringing that into her life? Let's say while she's still, you know, let's say she's wanting to go out and she's with friends. So she's not, she's not doing that inward journey. She's just out, out, out. Um, Are you wondering, yeah, is there specific piece that you're wondering about or? Yeah, mostly the first part where, you know, she wants to do these things and she can't drive yet. So then there's like the Mm. expectation of taking her and Mm. the shared time together. Right. Yeah. Right. Because when she's out doing stuff that pulls on you because you have to support her. So you also actually have to be out in this way and busy. Yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. What a tricky balance, huh? (laughs) Um. 
Hmm. Yeah, I guess it brings up a couple of threads for me. I mean, in, in one thread I feel is just, um, being in open communication about that with her and the impact. Um, so sharing with her where, where you're, what you're feeling, how it's impacting you and also the intention that you're setting and honoring this time of year and what needs that you're having, um, from a place of openness and, and, um, you know, compassionate communication about, Hey, like, hear that you want to go out again. And I just took you out yesterday. I can feel that I'm, I'm feeling some agitation because I was really actually planning to stay home today. And I've got these things to tend to and to, to like bring her in um, to your inner process. I don't know if you already have, um, but that because she's 15. So right. She has all kinds of capacities or uh, developing probably capacities as we all do to consider other people in the choices that she's making and the impact that she's having. Um, I also get curious about what kinds of things that you might be able to actually do together um, that could be exciting for her just to bring some of that into her life as well. Um, like, um, you know, like, a for a 15 year old, even, um, you know, this would, I wouldn't do this with a younger, but for a 15 year old could even do like a nighttime, um, walk, like a walk in the dark, um, together or a, you know, time painting or going together to just be in nature, um, during the sunset or, things that are just like a little more, you know, toned down than, um, her being out with her friends. Um, and on the, on the boundary, uh, like communication side too, I'm not sure because maybe it could just be sort of navigated, but maybe there, there'll be times where what's actually true for you is that you have a no to, driving her to do the thing or to, because you have to protect your time and space or you really do need the rest. And so you're actually not available to do that. Um, which maybe, maybe not, but if that is the case, then being open to the process that maybe part of what needs to happen is that you need to, uh, say no and hold a boundary to take care of yourself. Thanks Ashley. Anyone else have a question or comment? Hey, I didn't know if someone, it sounded like someone else was chiming in for a second. Um, I don't have a question necessarily, um, just a comment really, but um, I happen to just be checking my email and right before that looking up like folklore and traditions for solstice and I saw this email so it was great to hop on here um I really appreciate what you're saying and I have kind of lots of thoughts about it just trying to move away from I guess the modern day conventional holiday stuff and yeah trying to incorporate maybe some old Celtic Celtic traditions or solstice and paganism and I resonate a lot with that. Um, 
and I, I have a seven month old, so he's not really, you know, going to know much about stuff going on this year, but to at least start to incorporate things and um, ritual this winter solstice is really exciting to me. Um, and his dad and I actually already have a tradition of making ornaments and doing some crafts each year. Um, and I really liked what you said about the trees and the spiral and stuff. They're really good ideas. So just thank you. And uh, yeah, it was a nice synchronistic moment today to hop on here. I was kind of already brainstorming. So this was great. Appreciate it. Thanks, Amanda. I'm glad that worked out. And yeah. how exciting you'll get to start new traditions. And uh, as Ashley said, even though, you know, he might not, I don't, he's aware and, but your magic, I think is the piece here, right? When you're believing and in that space, he's going to certainly be picking up on that. Totally. I have a question. Hi, Mariah. Hi. Um, so my son is four months and obviously he's not, he's a very sensitive, attentive four month old. <laughs> um, so with his schedule and sleep patterns, just because we have some issues there, we're not going to be doing as much with our extended family. We're trying to focus more internally, which I think will help with the resting and uh, finding magic that way. But I was wondering if there are any things we can do to incorporate him a bit more this season. I think a lot of the ideas, like we've been doing night walks with him just before bed um, and he enjoys that. And I try to make it a bit magical for him. But um, if there were any things that I could do with more baby age <laughs> um, that, that would help during the season. Yeah. I, you know, one of the really cool things about babies this, that age, like four months is that, you know, you can kind of strap them in and whatever ride you're on, they're on essentially. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's been my experience that, you know, you can sort of think about timing of day and also temperament and, um, you know, how he is and what things, you know, he likes, but, um, I think it's very powerful to have even young babies, a part of rituals. So if you were to create your own spiral walk or learn some songs that were solstice songs, uh, do a candle ritual, um, or make some land offerings, like all of those things he can be there for. Um, I think we talked about it in the pod, um, in the podcast last year. I'm not sure, but, um, you know, when usually when I start and end a ritual, I'll usually play an instrument or even just a shaker or a drum or sing a song of some kind to kind of sonically mark like we're starting the ceremony or we're closing the ceremony. Um, so all of those songs and movement and um, even if you were to make prayers with the light or all of those things, like if he's with you, I truly believe that they they do really impact the baby. And then from a very young age, they grow up feeling this like, oh, something's happening. You know, like when, when, when adults go into that kind of ceremonial space, like babies are like, whoa, this is, you can see it on them. They're like, this is different. Like they feel it. Um, 
that's what first comes to mind. I don't know if you have any other ideas. I think that's beautiful, Ashley, for sure. I mean, we're co-regulating all of the time. And I think this idea of creating tradition and creating, um, you know, annual things that we do and them kind of having that memory. Oh, I've heard this song before. I felt this energy before, right? And I don't know if you've ever even had that where you walk into something that feels that way, right? You get maybe tingles on the back of your neck or some sort of memory deep down in your body pops up. And I think babies are definitely capable of picking up and creating those memories now. Absolutely. Thanks, Mariah, for asking. Any other comments or questions for Ashley? And I'll, um, on my Instagram, I'm going to post at least one, but hopefully two, but at least one of my favorite songs, like solstice songs. Um, one of them is one that I sort of made up, blended from a couple different songs over the years. And then there's a couple other ones that are just really sweet and easy to learn and that kids like. Um, so I'm going to make sure to post those over the next couple of weeks. Um, for people that are looking for for songs yeah and we can pick some of those up and share i will make sure that ashley's website and her instagram account are linked on the show notes and also we are constantly picking up treasure from ashley's instagram and posting it and sharing on the nest site as well just so everyone can have the opportunity you're sharing such sweet things i love no, it thank you <laughs> Well, Ashley, thank you for spending your time with us this afternoon. It is always a pleasure to have you. I'm sure we will see you again, maybe on the next seasonal shift. I'm sure there's some seasons we have not recorded yet that we should pick up in the next year. Thank you. Yeah, great. Thank you. And everybody also feel free to email me um, if you have follow-up questions or thoughts. I'm, I'm super accessible and available. So just feel free to be like, hey, I like this or like, what did you mean by that? Or can you say more? And I'm, I'd just be super happy to respond over email. So yeah. Thank you, Ashley. Yeah, you're welcome. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye everyone. Thank you, Ashley. And thank you, Kate. Yeah, thank you. You've been listening to The Nest on Tap. For more talks about pregnancy and parenting, visit us online at thenestfamilyresource.com on Facebook at The Nest Childbirth Postpartum and Parenting and on Instagram at thenest.nc.